Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to New Books and Film. I'm your host, Joel Cherney. My guest is Carla M. Wilson, author of the book Curious Impossibilities, Ten Cinematic Riffs. It was published in 2017 by Black Scat Books. In this inventive review of ten famous films, Carla offers her thoughts on each movie by presenting imaginary interviews of famous directors, including Orson Welles, Jean-Luc Godard, and eight others. Welcome, Carla Wilson. Hi, Carla. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Joel. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming on. We're talking about your newest book, Curious uh, Impossibilities, Ten Cinematic Riffs. But before we get more in-depth about the book itself, I'd like to get a little bit of background about uh, you. Uh, uh, what is your educational experience background? I mean, obviously, is you you obviously do have written now two books and other materials. So I'd like to get a little bit of background about you. Yes, well, I have jumped around quite a bit in my education. Um, going back as far as high school, I was always interested in writing. I was interested in writing, art, um, theater, you know, cultural cultural studies. And, and also, you know, I, I took uh, foreign language courses. So and I could never really decide what I really wanted to to pursue. Um, my father received his uh, master's degree in English literature. So I was always kind of leaning towards that route. And um, so for my bachelor's degree, I started off with a literature writing degree. And then as I went along, I I was working and I found that that was taking a lot of time <laughs> to, uh, you know, read and, and work at the same time. It was just not doable for me. So a friend convinced me to switch my, uh, my major to communications because I was also interested in radio, television, and film and, and that kind of thing. I did a radio show when I was in college for my undergrad. Um, and I did some film editing and just dabbled in that. But I ended up getting my bachelor's degree in communication studies. And, and I also studied art at the same time. So I kind of jumped around but but the but the bachelor's is, is was in communications from uh, University of California San Diego and then it took me I don't know maybe 10 more years before I went back for a master's and again I started with something different other than what I ended up with um, I started with an MA program in art history and I was working, same thing. I, I couldn't get the classes I wanted. And so I ended up um, switching after I, after I took a film and fiction class 
um, I decided to kind of deviate from my from my art history studies, and I, I was actually looking for somebody who might serve on my um, thesis committee, if, should it ever come to that. Um, and so I thought, well, I need to get somebody who's outside of my major. So I started, I said, well, I'm interested in film and fiction. So I took some film and fiction courses and ended up changing my major, had to apply to the MFA in creative writing program. And um, so it all took me a very long time to to get finished with everything, but um, I ended up with the with the MFA in creative writing and about a half of a degree, a master's degree in art history. I, I I could probably go back and finish that. I'm a lifelong learner. <laughs> in between there, I studied um, design. I studied. Um, my husband is an architect, so I I was always interested in interior design. Um, I even started studying for, uh, for law school at one point. So I really enjoy, um, going to school and, and doing research and, and being educated. But ultimately, I think my passion has always been art and writing and film. So that's kind of where I ended up. It sounds though like your final major was useful for everything that you wanted to do anyway. So, you know, the writing part yeah. was, was useful. The fact that you had interests gave you and other things gave you uh, where you need, you could go with your writing. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I had always wanted to be a writer ever since I was in high school. And in fact, I did, I worked on newsletters and um, I worked on the, on the, um, uh, what do you call it? You know, the journalism club or whatever it was. And I, I tried to go into journalism and I thought, you know, taking the communications courses would lead me into journalism. So it, it all had to do with, with the fact that I wanted to write. And so it all kind of came together um, with this, with this degree. It's funny because I'm probably, I went the other way around and in undergrad, I started with a communications degree, <laughs> didn't finish it, didn't get very far. I was interested in radio. I guess mm -hmm. uh, I was at the right age where radio was still very important and um, then ended up uh, eventually going and getting my degree in history. And then I ended up getting a master's degree in history and then also a degree as a master's degree in library science. So uh, oh, wow. working in a library is what led me to decide I needed to get a degree. Because libraries, your undergrad is only important as far as being a subject specialist, you know, but um, mm -hmm. so history has been my forte and uh film has always been something that's interested me in and how not only just film and the history of film but also how film deals with history and how film deals with popular culture and those kind of things so mm -hmm. everything together and, sort of it all sort of works together right and and i remember from some of my early classes in communications where we we had to learn about you know the the early um early days of film and 
um, daguerreotype and um, the very first films ever made and in all of that. Um, so there was a degree of history in my communication studies as well. And I, film, wanna, I'm film sorry. History. Yeah, right. no, go ahead. One of the things that I was back in the day that it was even prior to video, you know, before you could get videotapes and stuff. So I actually got a chance to see films during it took a film, uh, a film study course as part of my undergrad that really went a long way because we saw films that back then were the only places you could see them would be if uh, somebody had a film festival or an art house. Mm -hmm. So um, mm -hmm. that's nowadays it's much easier, but except there's so much out there, you're not even sure what to, what you need to watch. Yeah. And, and actually that reminds me, I participated in um, just briefly with a, a group that was doing a, an animation film festival and they, I worked with them for a little while, just, just helping out. But, um, but back then, yeah, we didn't have everything on, we didn't have the, the right. internet. <laughs> so yeah, you didn't have access to films. You had to go somewhere to watch a film or. Right. You had to go to a film festival, as you say. So, so then obviously you've been writing uh, i already mentioned we we're going to talk briefly about your first book but besides uh, the two books where else have you uh written or where else has your material been done well i also here i i kind of jump around i've always been in love with poetry although there's a lot of really bad poetry out there <laughs> and <laughs> i've I've dabbled in, in writing poetry and, and um, some very, have had some very short poems published um, just in online venues. And I'll, actually, there was also something in print. Um, and there's a, a group in England. Um, it's actually a Buddhist group. I'm not Buddhist, but I, I like the, the idea of some of the ideas. And they... Um, put together an anthology of these short poems, which um, are meant to be small moments of paying attention. And so anyway, and the idea is to write one of these every day, pay attention, pay close attention to something every day and write it down. And it can be similar to a haiku, but it doesn't have to have that that structure. Um, it, it can just be more free form. And so I, I messed around with that a little bit and I had a few of those, those little poems published. I also, um, I, I wrote a creative nonfiction essay for a magazine called Talking Writing. Um, and that was during a, a transitional point in my life. And that was really the first time I had um, an editor work with me and, and she really kind of edited me up <laughs> quite a bit, but um, it's, it's just a different, different way of, of working with writing than, than creative writing, which is a lot more freeform. Um, so I've, I've had, a lot of various things published. I've, I've published short 
um, short stories, short essays in various online and print journals. Um, yeah, I think these days, especially in the days of <clears throat> these days now that you can be quote unquote self published, yeah, that the role of the editor is not always well um, understood by people, and we see it with nowadays where unfettered or whatever phrases you want to use, like people just don't understand that the purpose of an edit, that there is a good reason for editors and mm -hmm. uh, it makes it tougher nowadays. You have to, when you're, when you're picking out what you want to read and what you want to follow and those kind of things that whether something's edit, you know, if there's an editor involved, it's always better to my, or mostly as far as, far as material, because Good editors know how to get the best out of the writer, as far as I'm concerned, just like a film editor gets the best out of everything that's that they have available to them. Yeah, I think there that can be controversial, though. That could be, um, you know, some people really hate being edited because perhaps what they're trying to convey isn't being um, understood by the editor or it isn't being conveyed in the same way and you lose the essence of what what's trying to be said um but i agree i mean it was a good experience because it she was trying to really direct the text in the way that she wanted it to go i i thought i was going in a different direction and she really steered me in in the direction that her magazine was um I don't know how to how to express it, but you know. Oh yeah, it makes sense that it's, it's, she, you it's were writing for you were writing for a specific purpose for them, and and that makes mm -hmm. a difference as opposed to writing something completely on your own that you're not necessarily looking for a particular audience or or you know where a magazine or a periodical might care about that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah, but it's I think it's a good experience to to have and to to. Have both. I mean, if if I were to ever become a a writer who was, you know, writing um, serial books or, or a series of books and mm -hmm. be be paid for it, I think I would expect to have an editor like that. So then, um, so we have your first book, which came out in 2015, and I, mm -hmm. we want to talk about that briefly because it actually is related in some ways to the current book. And that first book was Impossible Conversations, Imaginary Interviews with World Famous Artists. Um, can you describe basic, I mean, I mean, I could sit there and more or less explain what that book is about, but what led you to that project? Because as I say, it is, you know, it is important for uh, the current book. It sort of um, took you along the same direction. So what led you to that particular book? Um, that book was really an extension of my thesis, um, and it, it started off as an, as an offshoot of my studies in art history, and I really wanted to find a way to incorporate, um, writing about art or, or incorporate art and, and the study of art, I guess, mm -hmm. into, into a creative venue. And 
so what my my uh, mentor at the time pointed out was that I really had a good ear for dialogue. And so I just kept on working more and more with dialogue. And, and that seemed to come naturally to me. And so I continued. I had done various just exercises during my MFA program related to to art and I chose some of the artists that we whose work we were studying in in the program and um and then I just kind of went from there and and extended extended the the project so it was meant to be a series of interviews with um with artists filmmakers and writers and you know that um that project could really have gone anywhere. It could have been endless and I had to really rein it in. And um, so I narrowed it down to 15. I could have, it was really difficult to um, decide, you know, <laughs> which ones I wanted to do, where should I stop? Um, and well, I yeah, because theoretically it could be endless since <laughs> yeah. if they're imaginary, you can pretty much interview anyone. Yeah, exactly. So I was playing with the form for one thing, um, which was the, the, the dialogue form, the um, call and response form a little bit. Um, and I was also trying to incorporate uh, real, real facts um, about the artists or uh, filmmakers into the into the narrative. So I was trying to do several things at once, create a narrative, create some, some dialogue that was entertaining as well as include historical or, or factual information about the, the artists into the, the book. So I did a lot of uh, research as I did with this one, with the new one, um, because that's part of what, what gets me going is, is doing the research. And, and then I try to, then I take my imagination from there and, um, and, and make, make it into something different um, if I can. Um, my, my advisor, my mentor in creative writing um, has coined the phrase a docufiction and his name's Harold Jaffe. He has written about 22 books and um, he's sort of a master of this genre that he created called docufiction where he takes, he takes actual, in some cases, actual news documents or, um, you know, information from the internet information from newspapers and um, and then creates a story out of it and and sort of blurs the lines between fact and fiction um so he'll and it's quite funny actually he'll he'll take a you know some of the news stories that are out there um similar to um national Enquirer or mm-hmm. uh, you know things like that he can take a story like that and then turn it into a short piece of, of fiction and, and turn it around. And, um, and so that's sort of where, where that influence comes from using 
blending fact and fiction and, and only I'm trying to do my own, do my own thing with it <laughs> rather than, you know, right. doing the same thing. That's interesting. Looking at the list of the artists, actually, if I'm looking at it right and you can remind me if I'm wrong, there's only one person of the 15 that was, that's actually still, you know, was actually alive at the time. Is that right? Yoko? That's Ono? right. That's correct. Yeah. And then there's only a couple, the two film people were Alfred Hitchcock and Bella Lugosi, which is an interesting um, um, juxtaposition. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> well, those two, again, my, well, my books tend to be very personal. And so I think my biggest influence in my life having to do with with film my appreciation for film has come from my dad and so when I was younger my dad and I used to go to all these films and and he loved Alfred Hitchcock and both of us loved to mimic Alfred Hitchcock and um, do British accents and all of that and then the same time you know Bella Lugosi mm-hmm. we would do the accent and go to the films and um, things like that. So it was really sort of, sort of a nod to my dad um, with those two. Yeah. Cause I know going into the, <clears throat> the new book, you, you know, that came up in there too, that much of your overall love of film. And usually it's, it's a personal thing that gets us into anything. We seldom go and get into something just by, um, luck there's right. got to be there's usually a personal experience of some sort that gets you there and in your case you mentioned you've mentioned that it was your watching films with your father um mm-hmm. what kind of films did you i mean was it a, across the gamut of different types of films or was for example did you watch foreign films with him or or is it was it more um traditional regular films that the average person would have known of or was it a good combination of that or what you know, I think it it was a combination, but but back in the, for example, back in the eighties, um, you know, we used to go to art house films all the time, and um, I think I mentioned in in my book in the acknowledgments that some of the films that we saw were um, films like Koyaanisqatsi, Das Boot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cat people. Um, but there are also films like A Room with a View and, I mean, films that we, we would watch watch on TV later. Um, we were always watching late night TV. We were always watching uh, Buck Rogers <laughs> late at night. <laughs> and some of the, the Vincent Price movies, um, we even went to hear some some of these people speak. Um, we saw Vincent Price speak at the University of Wyoming when my dad was going there for his master's. And we saw John Houseman speak. And so I think my dad was always sort of a, a frustrated actor. He had studied acting a little bit in his youth. And he, he just loved movies. He loved going to the movies when he was a kid and he is of the age when the um, 
the newsreels were were shown before right. the, the film. And so he always told me about that. And, oh, we liked all the, the swashbuckler movies. I think he loved Errol Flynn and later um, Raiders of the Lost Ark and, oh, boy, everything. You know, I think it, it really runs the gamut. <laughs> right. So... Yeah, I think it's interesting that um, people these days, especially depending on their age, don't understand that going to the movies back, you know, in the day, like his period of time, um, was more than just going to see a movie. You mm-hmm. had it was a whole event. You saw your uh, cartoon, or you saw your uh, you know short subject, then you saw your newsreel, then maybe a B movie, and then an A movie, and it was <laughs> because that back you know it was pre television, and you know that was just part of entertainment. And it's it's interesting that, uh, and yet the good thing is we still have a lot of that. Like we can still watch old newsreels to get a sense. And all I have to do is think to yourself: back in the day, back in those days, you didn't. You, the only thing you had was radio for news, and obviously newspapers. But uh, the mm-hmm. visual aspect—the only place you could see a visual uh, representation of something was in the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you know, he was always—he he became a teacher later, so he he loved to to tell his experiences, and so I think that really influenced me and my love of um of film and he so he yeah he was really a a big influence so then the new book is this time it's only film um there are 10 different filmmakers um i found you know interestingly and if i correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I've got this, that only one of them is American and that's Orson Welles. And mm-hmm. many people would say <laughs> he's barely an American writer himself, but uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, a filmmaker that so much of what he did would have been much more uh, normous, normal in, uh, in Europe. But uh, so you new book is, like we said, Curious Impossibilities, 10 Cinematic Riffs. First off, I guess, what made you decide to do a new book and this time just feature filmmakers? Well, I think this was an extension of my first book, similar to how my first book was an extension of my thesis. I just wanted to keep going with interviewing people that I found, you know, fascinating. And, and I just started playing around with, with ideas. And I actually started off with Louise Brooks and Dora Maar. And I wanted to, I wanted to do, I even, you know, wrote some chapters on Louise Brooks, Dora Maar and Picasso and their relationships. And I wanted to keep the art element into it, uh, in it. And then I just, I just kept on working with, with these ideas and, and in, as my drafts came along, I just realized that I, I could focus more, you know, just on film and, and have it be um, a little bit more, um, 
based on um, a sort of conceptual fragmented writing style. And I, I could incorporate that more easily if I kept it with film. Um, and really that's the idea with this book is to sort of um, create an entire, it, it was a, it was a big um, undertaking, I, I should say, mm-hmm. because I was really trying to create a piece of art with this book that is overall a, a, a <laughs> something like a film within a film within a film. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not sure if that actually, if that actually worked, but that was what I was going for. So like we say, 10 filmmakers, what, first off, how many did you actually think about originally? And I know obviously there are 10 included, but I'm going to guess there were other ones too that were you were thinking about, or did it always pretty much come to these 10? No, there were, there were so many. I kept on, it's the same thing with, with writing about the artists. I kept on coming up with um, more and more filmmakers that I, that I loved. And in the end, I really just had to narrow it down to 10. Um, Yeah, it was, and I wanted to, I wanted to include some of the the heavy hitters of the avant-garde and then I wanted to include something um that was um some a film from from various genres Mm -hmm. so I have you know the Orson Welles touch of evil for to include a noir and I wanted to include a film noir I wanted to include um a sort of sci-fi and that's where the um where the Truffaut film Alphaville comes in um so it really it's really hard to say how I ended up (laughs) with these 10 but it was more a matter of just narrowing down what which films would work together and they all are connected in some way for personal reasons um some of them were films that I saw while I was in, in school, in my MFA program. Some of them were films that I hadn't seen before. I hadn't seen Alphaville. Um, I hadn't seen Persona. And then some were um, films that I wanted to revisit and I wanted to research, um, wanted to find out more about. So. In doing the research, I learned more about the film, and then I got to watch the films. Um, you know, and I and and actually, just to be completely honest, I think I thought, oh, this is going to be easy. All I have to do is watch films, which I love doing, and then I'll just write about them because films usually inspire me, um, just the way a piece of art inspires me. But it's extremely difficult to to find a point of entry. You know, so what I what I ended up doing was watching the films over and over several times, took copious notes and then did research into the films themselves, into the filmmakers. And I tried to figure out what really um, struck me 
what what was the main thing that that resonated with me right not so much you know what is this film best known for or what is the best thing about this film it it was more what actually resonated with me and what sort of commentary can i make with that point of entry mm-hmm. you know um so and at the same time i was trying to keep the form in a in a sort of fragmented way sort of fragmented um and in keeping with um you know the the essence of the film so i was trying to give readers a sense of the essence of the film but at the same time um express some of my own Mm -hmm. philosophies about life relationships um and also it seemed like it was a better way to rather than doing a film review which is supposed to be quote-unquote objective you were able to put something together where you were able to, as you point out, um, show your feelings, not just on the actual film, but how it affected, you know, if how it may have uh, been affected by other things and in your life too. So that was definitely, it certainly seemed much more, uh, free, you know, definitely free form, but also, um, it must've been somewhat, uh, we're liberating in this sense of being able to to express your your beliefs or your ideas and your feelings using these films as um, your uh, point of entry. Yes, exactly. Now, as, as you mentioned, it's each one each filmmaker. It's just one film that you uh, chose to um, discuss with each one. Can you repeat the question? I'm Just, sorry. Each, each, you've got, you know, Fellini uh, and all the other, but it's one film for each filmmaker, or did you uh, bring in some of their other films too? Well, for, for Tarkovsky, for example, I tried to give it, it, the essence of Tarkovsky. So, I focused on the film, The Sacrifice, which is a challenging film in itself. But when I did my some research about Tarkovsky, I saw, you know, repeated themes and, and same thing with, with Bergman. And I read what, what Bergman said about Tarkovsky, what Tarkovsky said about Bergman. And um, I, so I, I would like to think that some of my research about the filmmakers themselves and what they what they were doing in one in various films um, sort of came through. Even though I was focusing on one film, it, it could hopefully give the essence of of their 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 filmatic thematic style, I guess. Mm. So, um, you know, I think really what I'm, what I was interested in was, you know, giving the essence of, 
of the filmmaker's style, but then incorporating poetic language into that. Right. So, um, I guess the obvious question I wanted to ask were, do you, <laughs> how do I ask this? Um, did you like all the films that you actually uh, included or did you purposely pick a film possibly that you didn't particularly care for or were they all, did you purposely want to go for films that you felt were, were meant something to you in a positive way? Um, I, I would say after, after, writing about the films, I've definitely come to appreciate all of them. The one that I think, and for the most part, I, I did already like all of them, um, but I tried to go for ones that were a little bit challenging. So the Rope Grier um, last year at Marienbad, when you read, um, when you read about that film, it's, you know, it's hard to get a sense of any final, <laughs> final clarity about that film. There's, um, so I tried to find, pick films that were challenging to me. Um, the, let's see, I would say the, the Bergman persona was not one of my favorite films. Um, there's, you know, some of the films that make, you uncomfortable like the Tarkovsky the the Bergman even the Orson Welles um the touch of evil there I wouldn't I wouldn't say I would go back and uh, they're they're a little they can be a little tedious <laughs> so you know in some ways well but Especially I guess if, I guess that means yeah. it's actually good that you were able to find the time or the willingness to watch them over and over again as you said and yet still you understood obviously that there was something important with them even if in the end um you know they said something to you even if it wasn't necessarily always positive yeah i i was really looking at each filmmaker's um technique as as well as um you know were they visually appealing were they um <laughs> what was the narrative was the narrative straightforward or was it fragmented? And, and I think for the most part, I was going for narratives that were fragmented in some way. And that's really how I ended up picking the majority of the ones I picked when I went back to do, um, to look at what I had written about Louise Brooks and some of her films, I couldn't, it didn't, it didn't go with the rest of the, of the, um, what I was trying to do with the rest of the films. So I was really trying to keep with, with that, that one, the fragmented concept. And so I, I probably enjoyed Louise Brooks films more than I enjoyed some of the difficult, um, French films, but you know, I was really trying to go for a um, sort of a postmodern, <laughs> fragmented, mm. conceptual <laughs> theme there. Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, did you 
decide in your own mind as you are first off i guess i should ask when in the process did you decide these were the 10 or did you have other ones that you got pretty far along with and then decided they didn't fit or uh or what did it reach a point reasonably early on where you knew these were the 10 films you were going to work with um you know it's my my time is sort of limited because I actually work full time at a university and I work in just a regular day job. I'm an administrator. And so I don't have the luxury of, of having a lot of time. And so I wanted to finish up and I was coming to a point where I needed to finish. And so it, it's sometimes it's just a matter of that. It's like, how do you know when a painting is done? Or how do you know when, you, you know, your essay is finished? You can always keep going with something, but at some point you have to finish it. And so I think I originally had 15 um, films and, or filmmakers chosen and then I said I'm just going to narrow it down to 10 and and that just is part of the my own editing process mm-hmm. um I think another part of it was wanting to come up with with a title and I thought well 15 cinematic riffs doesn't sound as good as 10 cinematic <laughs> riffs <laughs> So that's, that's kind of how it went. And it was just honestly a matter of um, narrowing it down and editing and editing. And, and um, I think I could have gone on, I, I, you know, well. even now, even now I, I think of, I think of films or filmmakers I would love to, to write about. Well, then you can always write more Curious Impossibilities, <laughs> 10 more cinematic riffs. <laughs> but uh, sure. did, yeah. did early on, though, in the process, did, did it look pretty obvious they were mostly going to be foreign films? I think so. Um, you know, I didn't intend for them to all be foreign films. It's just that, that those were the films that... <laughs> Uh, Fellini has always been a heavy hitter with me. I enjoy, um, I think, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's always been foreign films that have been my favorite. Um, that's another personal thing. Um, my mother is from Europe. Um, and so I think maybe that's where that comes from. I, <laughs> I studied French um, in my younger days. I had about eight years of French. And so I enjoy watching French films. And that's, it's, it's as simple as that. Um, you know, same thing with German. I can speak and understand German pretty well. So none of these are German, but, right. um, you know, we have just the, the European sensibility, I think, that that I'm sort of drawn to, as well as the experimental 
side, you know, of the, the French New Wave. It was originally going to be pro probably more focused on the French New Wave. But then I thought, well, we have the Italian New Wave. We have, but then we have films that are, you know, going outside of the 1960s. So we're, mm -hmm. we're getting into the 70s and 80s. So what do I do there? And so trying to keep everything um, thematically close, I had to narrow it down. So um, where did, are any of these, <clears throat> excuse me, let me start that again. Are these, many of these films, were these the first time you'd actually seen them? Or how many of these would you say were films that you were reasonably familiar with even before you got started working on this project? With Fellini, I had seen most of his other films, but I hadn't seen Eight and a Half. And that was the one film that I really wanted to see. So that was, um, that was my impetus there with Tarkovsky I had seen the sacrifice a few times and then I, I actually went and watched a few of his other films just to see if I w would want to do another one um the Duras and Rob Grier and I had seen before the Chris Marker Sans Soleil I had seen uh, mostly in school Mm -hmm. Godard, the Alpha Villa, had not seen that one. And so that was, again, something I wanted to do something that I wasn't tired of or that it hadn't been, I thought, hadn't been really written about um, in a creative way, at least not recently. Um, and the Truffaut, that film I had not seen. And I had seen many of his other films. And again, this one seemed to be less well-known. Um, so I chose that one. And I, th and I really liked the idea of the film within a film mm -hmm. for, <laughs> for that one. That one was probably the most fun to do. Um, and, you know, the, the, the day for night, everything about that was 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 layered so it was writing about a film within a film and and you know we used the actual script um screen screenplay uh format for that and we, we really my publisher and i really had a lot of fun with that one um the bergman persona i hadn't seen and I, that one was one I, I wanted to, to, to research more. Um, I've only seen a few of the Bergmans. So that one was one that, that had been widely written about. Um, and I did some research about that one. The Orson Welles, I had not seen the touch of evil. So mm -hmm. I ended up seeing that one about three times and I, that one was great. And the taste of cherry by, um, Ershadi, that one I had seen in, uh, in school. And that actually, that essay is a, is a, um, is something I wrote while I was doing my masters. Where did you, I mean, 
obviously you've seen you you in order to do this you had to watch these multiple times <clears throat> these days we're pretty lucky in that we have the ability to watch a lot of films including unusual ones um where do you do most of most where do you find most of your films is there a particular uh, um site or area that you watch your films from that you think particularly useful for you well, we used to have a really great um, video store here in San Diego, and they recently closed, but we could get all these old films on on DVD or even video, um, so we used to go there, but now it's been a matter of I have to get them either on, on Amazon and um, rent them or purchase them. Or let me think, where did I get? There's something called the Criterion Collection. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> and yeah, so I, I'll go there, you know, for a lot of information. Now, that's something that I had wanted to mention, but they, and I got a lot of good research information from, from there. And in fact, there was, there were some letters between Truffaut and Godard that I read about on, on that site where they had a big fight and so that's that's what I sort of riff off of in the um in the Truffaut chapter so I sort of am riffing off of the the fight between Godard and Truffaut where they they had a falling out so I sort of have Godard give a cameo appearance in in Truffaut's film and he shoes him away and tells him to <laughs> get out <laughs> so yeah, so Criterion Collection is is one source, and otherwise, I'll just dig around online, or or you know, I have a stash of old films as well in my uh, DVD collection and VHS. Even <laughs> which of the films would you say most? Let's see what word I want to use. Surprised you in either a positive or negative way when you were studying it and you were doing your research, was there one or two in particular that you were, you came away with having learned something completely different than you had thought or something new? I'm always up for a challenge. So I, I really try to find when I, when I, when I'm going to research something, I want to try to find something that I don't already understand. So and so I can get a better sense of what is going on with this. You know, I think that's partly what led me to study art because I thought I don't get it. And I want to, I want to understand what is this about, you know? So I think one of the most challenging ones was there were two, um, the Tarkovsky and, and the rope Grier. And, you know, I think in the end, what it, comes down to for me is it's it's always about the person and it's always about the technique um you can have the technique uh, anyone can use a particular technique but i think what makes art interesting is the person's background and so you know in both of those cases those those two um, well, filmmakers and, and writers, Rob Grier was also a writer, um, had very compelling 
backgrounds, which led them to create what they created. So hope that makes sense. No, it does. And don't worry. Well, I know there's a lot of pauses you were thinking and I, uh, <laughs> but don't worry. It'll sound totally smooth. <laughs> so, Sorry. Yeah. no, no worries. So now having finished this, um, second group of, of, um, riffs, so to speak, interviews and riffs. Do you have other projects in mind? Or are you working on other things? I know you pointed out that it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, given a full-time job, and I know that well, uh, mm-hmm. to do other creative things. So, uh, But what are your thoughts for the future as far as continuing your writing? Well, I've, I've always wanted to write a mystery. That's one project that I sort of have going but I tend to try to keep away from traditional narrative form, which may or may not be a good thing. Um, I think I, w- I kind of want to do a mystery in the traditional form, but then I have an idea to do one that's sort of um, sort of different. Um, it'll be a series of a series of stories that, add up to one longer story series of short stories that lead up to one longer story. That's about all I'll say with that. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm not really sure <laughs> no. if I can pull it off, but I try to keep the form short um, because I don't have a lot of time. And my, my focus is, is more and more fragmented mm-hmm. <laughs> again. Um, right now I'm, and I'm recovering from surgery. So I have time and I'm home, but, but my focus isn't there. Right. (laughs) So, um, but nothing really wonderful has struck me yet, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm working on several different, different ideas at the moment. Well, it's my experience from reading. I mean, I tend to be one of those folks who like to hear a little bit about the background of what an author, how an author comes up with ideas and things like that. Mm-hmm. Most authors will say the same thing, which is sometimes it just hits you out of the blue. And some authors can just spit it all out, but most most of them require a little bit of a lot of thinking and a lot of consideration before they can come up with a project and continue to you know, something to move forward with. So I'm not surprised that you're that same way. <laughs> yeah. Well, getting started is the hardest thing. Once you're in it, um, then you have something to jump off of and you can say, well, I've done, I've done a few, a few pages or a few chapters and, and now I can move forward. I can continue. But when you have, you have the blank page in front of you, it, it isn't, so easy to get started again. I know everybody says that and everybody talks about different techniques for how to combat the blank page. And, you know, and I think it's true. Mainly um, one just has to write and start something and then you can go back and edit later, but, but getting something that sparks you, your imagination or that, um, gets you going, um, that just sometimes takes a while. It doesn't come out of, sometimes it comes out of nowhere and then you, and and it really flows and you, um, you don't have any trouble at all. And then other times it's, you know, you're completely 
blank. <laughs> well, I really but, appreciate you taking the time to speak with me about your book. It's it. I, what I found the most interesting about it is that you did play with a form and you, you were experimental. And given that many of your filmmakers were experimental in this book, it seemed like the only right way to approach it sometimes, you know, be as experiment, yeah. be experimental in a different way. But, uh, it was just as, uh, interesting in that sense that you played with the form and, and came up with, uh, interesting things to say about each film and, and, and the filmmakers behind them, even without actually ever talking to the real people. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. It was an attempt at, uh, experimental writing about experimental film and, it was my my homage to some of the the heavy hitters in experimental film, and you know I think it's important to preserve these old films and and art and culture that we don't we don't always care too much about anymore these days. So I think it I think it's important to to preserve them. Thanks again, and I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you very much for the interest. Thanks for, for having me. Thanks to Carla for her interesting conversation. I hope you find her creative concept very enjoyable. This is Joel Cherney, and I will be back soon with more new books in film.